Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and with me again today is Kirsty Miles. Welcome, Kirsty. Hi, how are you? I'm great. We are doing part two of a three-part series called Moving from Good to Great. We're taking the concepts of good and what a good therapist does and then talking about how to become a great therapist. So the first one was all about communication and professionalism related to communication and what makes a great therapist related to communication. So if you missed that part one, go back and check it out. It's really awesome. Got some great stuff in there. And we talk all about communication in lots of different ways. So for this one today, Kirsty and I are talking about adaptability. So why are we doing this series of podcasts is three, because when Kirsty and I interview, and we interview a lot of people, a lot of times we get the question, what are you looking for in a candidate? Here's our answer. Part one, part two, part three of these podcasts. So the second part of our answer is adaptability. First is communication and communication skills. We talk about that a little bit. Second, we talk about adaptability. And then third is the next podcast, but I don't want to spoil that. Check that one out. It's coming soon. But adaptability. And why is adaptability important? Kirsty, you want to tell them why? We work with kids. If you can't be adaptable, it's just not going to work out. That's right. you you got to be able to roll with a three-year-old. Our specialty is pediatrics. So within the realm of pediatrics, there's a lot of other different things that you can specialize, so to speak, in. But we see it all at PDT. So you have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible when you're working with the group of families and children that we are. Because, I mean, we see everything. You name it, we see it. But I think especially in pediatrics, adaptability is key because it comes with the whole mindset of it's not about us. And we did talk about this in the first podcast, but we are in a service industry. We serve and help others, which means what we do all day is not about us. And if you're not adaptable, then you're kind of making it about you. If it's your plan and you're in a therapy session and the child isn't wanting to do something that's part of your plan, well, if you're going to stick to your plan, then it's all of a sudden about you and your plan. And that's not what it's about. It's about the child and what they're doing. So you got to be okay and prepared to chuck your plan out the window and do something different. And that's, to us, one part of adaptability. We're going to expand upon that, but that just gets us started. So, you know, kind of moving into the next part of adaptability is we provide services in a number of different settings in the pediatric population. So we have three clinic locations. We're in the clinic. We're providing an outpatient model of therapy. We're in a developmental day center in the birth to five, working under an IFSP through the CDSA, the Child Service Development Agency and working under an IEP under the school model of therapy. We combined the medical model and the school model in those settings to make sure the children are getting the most beneficial therapy services. We say the Taj Mahal of services because it's a collaborative, integrative model of therapy, giving them the most that they can get out of therapies before going to kindergarten because once they get into that kindergarten and up, they're now in a school model of therapy. You know, you've got some therapists that kind of pin one against the other and you've got school therapists that don't like the outpatient therapist and outpatient that doesn't like the school therapist. And it really is just a different model and a different way to think. And when you're a therapist that can shift in and out of those different models, you move from good to great. And you're adaptable in that you can do therapy in the outpatient setting. You can do it in the developmental day setting. And you can provide therapy services in the school setting because you need to know what the service delivery model looks like in all of those places because your child that's coming 
coming into outpatient after school might have gotten therapy in the schools. And what does that look like? And what are they working on? And how are you going to get this child to the next level? Because you've got a teammate out there that you can collaborate with and going back to our podcast on communication that you communicate with because you're communicating with all the people involved in that child's continuum of care, you have to be adaptable. As a pediatric therapist, and we do talk about this all the time, and this is one of the things that we really stress to our therapists, to be a well-rounded professional, not just a well-rounded speech therapist, occupational or physical therapist, but a well-rounded pediatric therapist to be a great one. You have to be prepared to go in and out of different places because kids in the course of their birth to 18, 21, they're in very different stages and places in their life. So as a pediatric therapist, I need to know what those various places look like. I have to be able to operate in all those places. There's different things that are required of me as a therapist in those, and I have to be adaptable. And even if you think about it, when you go in and out of various classrooms, for example, you have to be adaptable because what works for one teacher does not work for another. And you have to figure it out so that you can also meet your plan for that child. You know, and I know I talked about it, but the goal plan for the child is what I'm referring to here so that what you really want to have happen for that child and what that child needs to have happen can happen in that classroom environment. So you have to be adaptable to be able to work with various teachers and various professionals. And that's really important as a pediatric therapist to be able to do. So like Kiersey said earlier, sometimes people will say to us, oh, well, I don't really want to work in this environment. I don't really want to work in that environment. And for us, that just doesn't match in terms of working here because we have to be able to work in all of those places and be able to be functional because of what Kiersey said, even if I I don't work primarily in the schools. I can, I have done it. I know what therapy looks like there. So for me to be able to effectively and efficiently and really communicate and collaborate with that therapist, I need to understand what she or he is dealing with there related to providing services for that child. And then what I'm going to do clinically in an outpatient clinic, how that's going to differ so that we can both meet that child's needs, but in the way that we are doing it. And that makes a great therapist, not a good therapist. So that really is moving from good to great under the big adaptability category. Number one, being able to move in and out of various places makes you a great therapist. You know what else it does too is we have gatekeepers to insurance and particularly Medicaid, the state funded insurance. They are really coming down on if the child gets school services. So if you are a therapist that are writing to insurance to get authorization to provide outpatient services, if you can speak to how what you're going to do is different than what the school therapy is going to provide, you are better able to write an evaluation to get authorization for this child's therapy. And it's going to accurately reflect what you're going to do that's different than what school therapy is going to do. It cuts out time because you're not getting an additional information request from the insurance company. You're more accurate in what you're able to write and document about. And because you just know. Yeah. You've walked the walk. You've taught the talk. You've been in that environment. You know what to do. And so, yes, to be a great therapist, you need to expose yourself to those various places. Sometimes people say, oh, well, I really don't like outpatient but they've never done it. So I'm like, how do you know you don't like it? You have to try it. What happens if you do it and you try it and you don't love it? Okay, well, you just don't love it. But now you know more than you knew before. It's something you can do. You can put it in your toolbox. You don't have to love everything. You don't have to be the best at everything, but you have to have done it. You have to be able to walk that walk, talk that talk. And just to move from good to great, you have to be able to do those things, especially with pediatrics. So we feel very strongly about that. Can you tell? (laughs) 
So another thing for us with adaptability is in terms of greatness is being in the moment. I talked about this a little bit to start us off, but to me, this is key with each child that comes through the door. You know, I'll say to them, oh my gosh, you know, if I've seen a child at 10, I've been waiting all day for you. Well, I'd also been waiting all day for my eight o'clock and my eight thirty, my nine and my nine thirty, now my 10 o'clock. And I mean that honestly and sincerely, but you know, I'm in that moment. I'm there with that child in that moment. I've been waiting all day for them. I have, because that's what I do. I see kids. I'm a speech therapist. I see kids. And so I am, but I'm in the moment and I'm ready and able to do what that child needs at that moment. And I just touched on it briefly about having a plan. I do have a general plan for my day and for my therapy sessions and that kind of thing, but I am prepared to chuck my plan out the window if it doesn't work because sometimes three and four and five and two and six year olds have a different plan than I have. And what they need that day or maybe what that parent needs that day for their child because it's their child is different than what I have had plans. So I have to be able to adapt, modify and change, still keeping true to my plan of care, but yet meeting that child where they are. When you're talking about being in the moment too, we have to be adaptable. So we are not only providing services to children, but we also have contract sites that we're providing services to. We are in a customer service industry, not only to our patients, but to our contract sites. And Hayden and I, we've worked in a number of them for years. So it does not phase us for somebody to come up to us and be like, oh, we have a meeting at 12 o'clock. Where's your stuff? And we're like, what just meeting? found out the meeting. Okay, <laughs> let's go do the eval. Let's whip that Quickly. out. Let's get the IEP ready. Like, okay, so yeah, would it have been nice to have a couple of weeks notice? Sure. In a perfect world. But sure. guess what? We don't live in that. Yeah. So if you don't know about a meeting or something, I mean, people can sometimes really just get in a tizzy about that is what I call it. But really, again, that's what we do all day. We see kids. And sometimes if you're at a contract site, have a meeting as part of that. It's great to know in advance, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. So you just roll with it, do it, meet the needs and move on. And what else is I going to do that day? See kids. Okay, well, I'll do this meeting instead and tomorrow I'll see more kids. But I think also being in the moment, especially in a particular therapy session is I've seen sometimes kids, therapists sometimes will say, or people will say, oh gosh, you know, there's so many behaviors that are happening or, you know, this child's always hitting or biting or throwing. If that's happening consistently in your therapy sessions, you really need to think, Am I in the moment with this child? Because why are they hitting? Why are they biting? Why are they throwing things? If you're in the moment and present and doing what that child needs and meeting those needs, you know, I don't know why hitting and biting would have to happen. Maybe you're asking too much that session. Maybe you're pushing them too hard. Maybe if they want to play with the bus, play with the bus, whatever, as long as you can get your goals done, who cares? Or get the bus out of the room so it's not a problem. So I think you have to be in the moment. And so one of the things we stress at our clinics is having a variety of quality toys so that therapist can be in the moment right then. So if one thing isn't working, you can grab another and you can put the thing that isn't working up and you can be creative in that moment. It's not about the toys, but it's about what you get with the toys, but the toys help motivate sometimes. And so if that will help you get through the session, then you got to have enough stuff that you can be present in that moment and roll with that. So the third point is you don't have to be an expert on everything. Nobody can know everything about all speech therapy topics or all physical therapy topics or all occupational therapy topics. That's crazy. So you don't have to be an expert on everything, but you got to be able to do what you know in that moment. And then if you don't know, figure it out later after that child leaves. So use your resources. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I'll Google it. You know, I don't know that I've ever found that many answers by Googling it when it comes to therapy. But you go to your supervisor and ask them. You go to somebody who might know more about this particular area than somebody else. So, for example, fluency. Fluency, it's not my what I feel like I'm the best at as a speech therapist. I can do it. 
I will do it. I'll treat that. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I just don't know if I'm the fluency guru. Now, I do know people who are great at fluency therapy, and I will use them and their resources and what they know all day long every day, but I'm fine to do that. It helps me to grow as a therapist by sometimes doing something I don't think I'm necessarily the best at, and I'll do my very best with that patient, but I don't know that I would consider myself a fluency guru, and that's just the way it is for all types of therapy, I feel like. What do you think, Kirsty? I just had this conversation yesterday with the therapist. I think one of the most fun aspects of our jobs is we don't have to know it all. Because we're going to constantly get it wrong and have to shift gears and reassess what we're doing with the child and then try something different. And I think that's the most fun because what we do for one child is not going to work for another. And that keeps us on our toes. That keeps us interested. That keeps us working towards it. So I think that's one of the most fun things about being a therapist is that we don't have it all figured out and that we constantly have to change and do. But again, personality testing and my change scores are through the roof, so I don't want to do the same thing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We do personality assessments here at PDT because it helps us get to know kind of how we individually are wired and then also how the people we work with are wired. And one of the things we do is change assessment and Kirstie's change scores through the roof. So she doesn't have a problem with change. But for others whose change scores are a little bit lower than yours, by being adaptable, Even if your change score is high or low, recognizing that you don't have to know everything, but then you're able to shift and do and change. And that to me is part of being adaptable and also using your resources as well is being adaptable and efficient and effective. And that's being a great therapist, not a good therapist. A good therapist says, ah, don't really do that. You know, I can't really see those kiddos, but I do this other stuff. But a great therapist meets the child where they are, meets those needs and pushes themselves. You learn something new and that's a great therapist. So that's our spiel on that for adaptability. The next point we have, number four, is listening. I think listening is probably, if there's any takeaway from this podcast, to me, it's listening when it's related to adaptability. Listening to me is important because to really be adaptable, you have to really listen, pay attention, observe, mm-hmm. understand what's happening with that child in terms of what's happening at home, what's happening in the outpatient clinic, what's happening in the schools. Even if you're not there, if you're listening to various aspects of the child, the various continuum of care, like, so they just went to the doctor last week and he said this, or they're going to the specialist next week and you want to make sure that she understands this, for example. That's listening to what's happening with the child and then adapting and changing what you need to do to meet those child's needs. So you have to really listen and also critical listening. Just because the child's having an IEP meeting, for example, say you're an outpatient and you're not part of that team, that doesn't mean that you need to call every team member and be involved with everyone. It's just listening, okay, the IEP means coming up. Let me give you my daily note so that you can take that. Or let me give you my last eval so that you can take that with you to the IEP meeting as a resource for you. Here's what's happening at outpatient so that you guys know, hey, will you get me the number for that? The new speech therapist is at the school, for example, or in Kirsten's case, new physical therapist at the school. So I'll have it. I can put it in my record here. That's just good critical listening and be adaptable and change it in that moment to meet the needs of the child. That's what I mean by listening and adaptability. So, you know, last week being in the schools and working with a new therapist in the schools, she said to me, mom would like a bath chair. And I didn't know how to answer her. The therapist said to mom, I don't know how to answer her. So I just said I would look into it and I would find out. I don't think we do that because it's not educationally relevant. And I said, so it's not, you know, (laughs) a bath chair at home in the bathtub. Does it really tie to education? No, not really. Right. But does the child need to come to school clean? Yeah. Is that you know, hygiene and socially, is that more appropriate? It is. So, I mean, yeah, it might be a little far-fetched to some, but I'm like, you know, give her something. Is it going to take that much more work out of your life in general? Nah, not really. Just get the bath chair. 
Exactly. So I feel like that's good listening as related to adaptability to be a great therapist to meet the child's needs. So to me, that's good listening related to adaptability. That's what we mean when we talk about that. The fifth area of adaptability in terms of greatness for a therapist is treating the whole child. And now this is something that Kirsty and I talk about all of the time. Can I emphasize that enough? But treating the whole child. I just don't know how to do it any different. I really don't because speech therapists will say, oh, well, gosh, you know, we're speech. We don't treat in the gym. Why not? I treated the gym. It's not like there's no speech therapist allowed. We don't have that on the door to the gym, you know? I mean, like, only motor therapists in here. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't get that. I was in the school last week again. It's the high school level, and we had a girl, and she was in a wheelchair. And I asked the teacher, I said, we're about ready to do a wheelchair assessment for her. And I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be great if she could pick the color? Like, what color does she want to roll around in? Seems very basic, right? But I'm like, do you want a pink chair, a purple chair, a blue chair? Like, what do you want? So I asked the teacher, can she make choices between two. And she looked at me like, girl, are you crazy? (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, she's got to sit in it. Like she should have say, right? And so, you know, we get to talking and she goes, she can't make any choices. And so that of course rubs me all wrong. And so then the music comes on in the room and she is dancing to the music in her chair. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, look at that. She Mm -hmm. likes the music. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, Okay, so now I'm stepping way out of PT realm, and I'm like, this girl needs a chair, but I'm like, she can activate this switch and turn on the music if she wants to. She can make choices between songs that she likes. I bet she's got a preference. So now I'm like, where's a speech therapist? Because if she's not going to do it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to find some switches and get them in here because something's got to happen for this child. So I just don't know how to not do that. Well, you can't. It's just like, I mean, what am I going to do? Like, speech therapists will stop when the child hits the door and we're not going to go to the playground? Like, they're on the playground. They're in the sandbox. They're in the swings. They're up and down the slide. They're up and down the stairs. Why would I take a three or four-year-old out of that environment and to sit behind a chair at a table with no other peers? I mean, aren't we supposed to be using this language and this activity like in functionally, socially appropriate everyday lives? I mean, why would I take them off the playground where that's where all the verbs happen to sit and look at verb cards? I totally don't get it. Verbs are doing. They're happening. Yes, they're not. It's not a picture of something. I don't get it. So I'm thinking that we can label a verb card. Aren't we just naming things? that point and versus like I'm talking about walking up and down the stairs running over to your friends scooping dumping climbing sliding let's go and do stuff so if you're not used to being on a playground that can take you out of your comfort zone but that's also being adaptable is pushing yourself is moving from a good therapist to a great therapist would it be significantly easier with a wheelchair example for Kirsten to just be like you know what purple I like purple yeah it's a lot easier but that's not your chair so a great therapist is going to figure out about the choices and it just makes sense. It's not about me. Right. And also treating the whole child. So if I'm treating the child and they're walking on their toes continuously, really, I need to say to some motor therapist, hey, they're up on their toes. Maybe would a PT eval be appropriate or an OT eval? Maybe it's sensory, maybe it's motor. I don't know. I don't have to know. That's not my job. My job is looking at the whole child and thinking, hey, that's something that somebody should look at. I saw a little boy last weekend in the airport and he's I don't know, teenagerish age. We're not treating him. He's just in the airport. And I think I've hung out with Kiersey so long and now I watch people walk. I know that's not in my scope of practice, but he was walking and he was up on his toes. He was wearing flip-flops and way up on his toes. And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this was a teenage kid who's up on his toes. And that just broke my heart a little bit. So treating a younger child and they're up on their toes, I'm definitely going to mention something to a motor therapist about that, about, hey, would this be an appropriate referral? And then talk to the parents about it because that's treating the whole child. 
The last thing that Kirsten, I really want to talk about regarding adaptability is that healthcare changes, and that's the way that it is. So people working in the healthcare industry have to be adaptable related to that. Yeah, I mean, the medical world is constantly going to change. And as a result, as an organization, we have to look at processes and procedures within the organization. And because we go to so many places and we are so widespread, from your narrow scope of if you are treating only in the clinic, you need to be done. Or you might not know all the pieces of why a decision was made or why we have this processes in place, but for the greater good of the company and for the other people involved, we have certain things that have to shift and change. So things are going to change. Yep. We are in the healthcare industry and the one consistent thing about the healthcare industry that you can count on and take it to the bank is that there will be change. That's just the way it is. So you have to be adaptable. You have to understand there is change. That's just the way it is. And so you have to educate yourself regarding those changes. You have to be responsible for knowing, just like, for example, the beginning of the year 2017, the OT and the PT CPT codes for evaluations changed. I don't care if you like the old ones, you can't use them anymore. They change. So you have to educate yourself. You have to do webinars or whatever it takes to educate yourself and then start using the new codes because they changed. That's just life. So I think being adaptable and understand that that is the way the medical industry world is and a great company and great therapist in that company understand that and then they roll with it. When I say that in a way that they continue to do what they have to do to meet the needs of those children and families, but yet still make those changes work and abide by the rules, do that the right way, do it the way that it should be done by following the rules, but yet not compromising patient care in the process. That's a great therapist. It's a great organization that does that. But a great organization is defined also by their great therapist. So in addition to like changes in the healthcare industry, there's also going to be changes because just like with HIPAA compliance, there's certain things that we look at and do as an organization to make things better, to make things safer for the patient. So while as a therapist, and again, you might have a very narrow viewpoint because you can't see how it affects as a whole, there might be changes that come into play. But again, it's solely to protect protect the patient and the confidentiality. So again, we're always looking at stuff like that because as an organization, we don't want to settle for just being good. So to move up to that next level and be great, we look at all of these factors that impact the organization and how we can make it better. And isn't that really what therapy is about overall? You're always trying to make things better and help these children achieve whatever they want to achieve in their little life, which is to be great because it's their life, not ours. And so what we do is we're here to help them with whatever their area of need is so that they can go and be great and do whatever they want to with it. And that's being great and really meeting the child where they are, meeting those needs, listening, adapting your plan according to what they need that day, treating the whole child, and then recognizing that in general, we work in an industry where there is going to be change. That's just the way it is. And then also adapting those changes to the various places that pediatric therapists work. That's being a great therapist. So adaptability is key to greatness. So thank you again, Kirsty, for discussing this with me. I like this topic because I think this is really the key to success in a lot of ways, especially in pediatrics. If you get too stagnant, if you get too pigeonholed, if you get so that it's, you know, I don't want to change or, or modify or whatever, to me, that's the path for burnout. And sometimes I'll hear therapists talk about, oh, I'm so burned out. Well, I think it's because they're just not adapting and getting, getting bored and stagnant. Yeah. And so I think, of course, you're going to get burned out if you never change anything or if you never adapt or if you you're not really keeping, you know, I feel like burnout, you sort of have your blinders on. And if you remain adaptable, you don't have blinders and you kind of can see what else is out there and work to achieve more and better. 
Yeah, I like this topic. I really do. I could talk more about that, but I think that's all I have to share today. So thank you again, Kirsty. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your insight. Always good. Thank you. So thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 